There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. On this episode of Newt's World, on Wednesday, the Congressional Budget Office released their projections about the national debt. The United States is on track to add $19 trillion in new debt over 10 years due to rising interest rates and spending bills adding to deficits. The new forecasts project a $1.4 trillion gap this year alone. Think about that. $1.4 trillion this year alone between what the government spends and what it takes in from tax revenues. Over the next 10 years, deficits will average $2 trillion annually as tax receipts fail to keep pace with the rising cost of Social Security and Medicare benefits for retiring baby boomers. My guest today is proposing a solution to this ballooning debt problem. He's introduced House Resolution 19, proposing a balanced budget amendment to the Constitution, requiring that each agency and department's funding is justified. I'm really pleased to welcome my guest, Congressman Scott Perry. He's a combat veteran and has represented the people of the 10th Congressional District of Pennsylvania since 2013. He presently serves on the U.S. House Committees on Transportation and Infrastructure, Oversight, and Foreign Affairs, and is chairman of the House Freedom Caucus. He retired at the rank of Brigadier General in 2019, after nearly 40 years in uniform. He served three terms in the Pennsylvania General Assembly, has a bachelor's degree from Penn State University in Business Management, and a master's in Strategic Studies from the U.S. Army War College at Carlisle. Scott, welcome and thank you for joining me on Newt's World. Well, Mr. Speaker, it is awesome to be with you, one of the deep and critical thinkers of our time who has found solutions to intractable problems in his own right. And so, as you know, and I don't have to tell your audience, there are many of us who reach out to you during these periods of time to seek your input and guidance on how we get through this. And I think one of the key things that you mentioned there, the numbers People's eyes glaze over. They can't even fathom a trillion of anything. It is so 
unbelievable when you think about it. It takes like four trillion years to get across our galaxy and we're thirty one and a half trillion dollars in debt. And now you're talking about adding another nineteen in ten years. Mr. Speaker, we are taking in record revenue at this very moment. The federal government's never taken in more money than they're taking right now, and yet it's not enough to sustain the expenditures. That's the telling story. We spend a dollar thirty for every dollar we take in. Most people, almost every single person, every single one of my bosses, all the 300 plus million Americans across the country know that you can't spend more money than you bring in. They just know that instinctively because they live their lives. You can try and refinance it and you can do some of those things, but at some point you're going to have to pay the bill. And it's dangerous for us from an economic standpoint when you look at the inflationary pressures that every family is facing right now. But also from a national security standpoint, it is dangerous for us to not be able to afford to pay our service members, to pay for weapon systems, and to pay for the technology that we desperately need to stay on top of and ahead of our adversaries. All this is part and parcel to decisions that we make, priorities that we set, and choices that are before members of Congress and the administration And we've made commitments to our citizens. Our citizens have paid in to those commitments under penalty of law. So we absolutely have to honor them. But we obviously know that we can't continue down this course. And the president just says, just keep doing the same thing. And I'm not going to negotiate. You know, as well as I do, Mr. Speaker, that that's an untenable position. It's irresponsible and it's not going to last. I think that's right. I think the country will favor a Republican-led responsible debt ceiling, and I think the Democrats will be crushed if they actually stick to irresponsibility, particularly with this new Congressional Budget Office report, which is frankly so staggering in the numbers involved that if you have any common sense at all, you know it can't be maintained. Now, your amendment's interesting because every state except Vermont has a requirement to balance their budget. The idea of balancing the budget is not radical. 49 of our 50 states have a requirement to do it. Tell me how you came to the conclusion that you wanted to introduce a balanced budget amendment. Mr. Speaker, you know, I'm from a place where you used to live here. I represent the great place of Hummelstown, Pennsylvania, which is just adjacent to Hershey, Hershey, PA, the sweetest place on earth. They're hardworking people. They make their budgets balanced. They make their ends meet. They have to. And so one of my frustrations as citizen, Perry, was watching my tax dollars that I work hard for, everybody does, squandered on things that are unaffordable, unnecessary, just out of the lane of priorities. So it was my first bill that I drafted. It's the first bill that I introduce every single session that I've been privileged with the honor to continue to serve. And it says to the American people that we respect your hard work and the money that we're taking from you under the penalty of throwing you in jail if you don't give it, and we're going to spend it the right way. To me, it's the way of showing our citizens, my bosses, your former bosses, the respect that they deserve. This government is theirs. They don't serve us. We serve them. And it was, to me, the best way to show them that I got it, that I understood what they're frustrated about, and what they want to see fixed in a macro scale, on the big scale of things in Washington, D.C., and our federal government. And of course, in Pennsylvania, we have to balance the budget, just like all the other 49 states do and 48 states do. And people get that. It requires us 
to make difficult choices, but that's what they hired us to do. So that's why it's important to me. I know that in central Pennsylvania, there's a deep sense of personal conservatism in the sense that people expect to pay their bills. They expect to live within their means. And I think Washington, in that sense, seems such a weird anomaly. I also have an encouraging thought for you because when we took over after the Contract with America campaign in January 1995, the House actually approved a balanced budget amendment by 300 to 132. And then we came really close. In the Senate, we got 65 votes in the first time. And then Bob Dole switched for technical reasons. We got 64 votes. So we were only one vote short. And because we'd gotten 300 votes in the House and 65 votes in the Senate, we went ahead and decided we'd go ahead and balance the budget, which we did for four straight years. So I know that it's doable. And I think that it's very important what you're doing in setting the stage and in starting the conversation in the right direction. Talk to us, Governor, about how would the balanced budget amendment actually work that you've written? Well, the way it works is, is that agencies have to look at what they're spending money on to determine if it's working and what their priorities are, and then work with the Congress to determine whether they can meet the benchmark. It's a percentage of the GDP, the gross domestic product. So it's a function of how much money the country makes as a whole. The important thing I think to note for me, Mr. Speaker, is that mine particularly says you can't raise taxes because, of course, you can always balance your budget by bringing in more revenue. And in the case of people working, they would have to earn more money, get a second job, get higher pay, something along that lines. So we exclude that because, like I said in the beginning of your show here, we are already taking in record revenue. So the revenue, the income is not the problem. It's not the issue. It's the outgo. It's the spending. It's the prioritization. So we want agencies to prioritize not based on what they did last year or some kind of formula that just says you get more every single year based on the cost of living and inflation, but what you're actually doing that's working and the programs that you want to support and which programs don't actually work. And it's a way of making government more efficient based on solutions and outcomes, which is what I think we all do. Like we don't keep on spending money in our homes, generally speaking, if we know about it, on things we no longer use and no longer work. In this case, we want government to do the exact same thing. Quit spending money just because you spent it there last year. As you know, Mr. Speaker, the federal government is replete. I mean, if you just drive through Washington, D.C., you look at these mammoth buildings and you think to yourself, how many people work in there and what are they doing all day long and is it necessary? We have programs upon programs. If you just look at something like rural broadband, you know, because much of this district is rural, I just happen to know this, I think there are 28 separate rural broadband programs. I'm not sure we need 28, Mr. Speaker. Maybe we need 20. Maybe we actually only need one, but we're spending money on, you know, a couple dozen of those things. And I think that there are some efficiencies there. And that's just one program. There are literally thousands, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of similar circumstances where we can actually complete the mission, but not spend as much. Well, and I think what people need to realize is that in each of these little programs, there are bureaucrats whose career is engaged. And so all 28 will fight desperately, whether they're competent or incompetent, whether they're achieving anything or achieving nothing. It's their job. It's breathtaking how much we've allowed 
rule by bureaucracy to replace Lincoln's government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And I think your amendment is a big step back in the right direction. I also noted, and this was different from the one we did, and I think you're going in the right direction, which is you require three-fifths vote to either raise taxes or raise the limit on the debt. So you would really basically say, except in an emergency, because you're not going to get three-fifths vote unless it's an emergency, except in an emergency, we're going to live within the current structure and we're going to live within the current spending. Yeah, because we know that there are times. It could be a natural disaster. We could end up inadvertently at war with some country that attacks us. You got to be able to leave some leeway for the government to do its job. But I think the important thing is that we're focused on making sure we're living in our means so that we can do these things. But yet you have to understand and recognize there is an emergency set of circumstances that require you know, a different approach. And we leave that safety valve in there. But in the meantime, we want to make sure that voters know that their representatives either are voting for increased spending without a plan and without a solution, or they're only doing it for emergency circumstances, which I think we can all agree, depending on the emergency, that's an appropriate time to do that. Like we did in World War II, right? When our gross domestic product exceeded what we brought in for years and years, and it took us a little while to get cured of that. But right now, as you look at the numbers, Mr. Speaker, you can see that we're headed, it's almost vertical, and there's no end in sight, and there's no plan in sight, which is even worse. You're sort of riding a wave of history here, because I noticed that Representative Fitzpatrick from Pennsylvania and Representative Van Orden from Wisconsin, Representative Obernolte from California, and Representative Nunn have also all introduced a resolution proposing a balanced budget amendment. I mean, do you have a sense that the conversation about the requirement to get back to a balanced budget is sort of picking up momentum? I absolutely do, Mr. Speaker. And for maybe your listeners that don't know those names, that's a pretty big cross-section of the Republican conference. You got me as chairman of the House Freedom Caucus with a balanced budget amendment. And many people would say, well, that kind of makes sense. We would see that in your view of policy and policy making. But when you have the other side of the spectrum, the complete opposite end of the spectrum of the Republican conference, so if you have the right and the left, both agreeing to this concept that we must not spend more than we take in. As you know, Mr. Speaker, it's really difficult to get Democrats and Republicans to agree. It's also sometimes just as difficult to get Republicans and Republicans to agree. When you have that part in the conversation where we both at least agree on the concept, now we're talking about the details. And while I've offered my amendment, I'm thrilled that these other folks have offered one. And if they want to have a conversation that's constructive about it, doesn't have to be mine. Let's just do something. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now.
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. I just have to comment on from my own personal experience. You know, there's an analysis by the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget that balancing the budget over the course of a decade would require a 26% cut to all federal spending. And they said if you take out defense, veterans, Medicare, and Social Security, it would require an 85% cut. And then they said that it's an admirable and desirable goal, but it's probably impossible. Well, I just want to report for a minute. When we got the vote we did, the House leadership is very similar to where you guys are now. The House leadership sat down and made a decision over dinner one night. We are going to balance the federal budget. Well, we had promised in our particular amendment that we would balance it within seven years. So we said, okay, we will pretend the amendment actually passed because it had passed the House by a huge margin. And we'll do it in seven years. John Kasich, who was the budget chairman, came in a week later and said, you know, guys, seven years is going to be really tough. It might take 10. Can't we be flexible? And the leadership voted. And since none of the rest of us had the responsibility, the vote was like 10 to 1. No, we're going to stick with seven years. Kasich was the only one. And the week after that, we gave Kasich a marble plate for his desk that said balanced budget seven years. Well, the amazing thing was because of the combination of welfare reform and other reforms and the combination of tax cuts, not tax increases, but tax cuts to dramatically expand the economy, we balanced the federal budget within four years. And when I left office, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, Alan Greenspan, was making a speech saying, it's very likely we will have paid off the federal debt by 2009. Now, the people who followed me didn't have the same passion, and we collapsed back into normal politics. I'm making the case that you, in fact, are right, and I don't understand why the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget would think it's not possible. And I would say to anybody who asks, we have living proof in your lifetime. We did balance the budget for four straight years. We balanced it at a rate that nobody thought possible. And I believe if you got serious about it, you would have a remarkable impact on the spending project of the United States almost overnight. I think you're absolutely right, Mr. Speaker. You said that you wanted to do it in seven. The critics said it couldn't be done in 10. You did it in four. Where there's a will, there's absolutely a way. And of course, one of the things that's almost always left out of the conversation is growth. And of course, I know they're looking at the anemic growth that is characteristic of this administration and their policies. But let's face the facts. You were alive just three years ago, pre-COVID, and you saw an amazing spike in growth based on policy and based on the will to make that so. And people's lives were enriched by it. 
look, the economy was in much better shape. People were making money, they were spending money, and we were taking in at the same time record revenue at that time. So it can be done, but you have to be willing to make the changes necessary for people to grow the economy. These interest rates are choking the housing market. And you know what happens downstream from that. Of course, the energy policy is choking the supply chain, choking individual households, has a dramatic effect on these numbers. And with a few dramatic changes to those things, which are an about face to the current leftist policy, this administration could be part of a revolution which changes the trajectory of this enormous debt bubble that is burdening not only us, but every single future generation. And so, you know, we have one of the houses in Congress. We're going to have to work with the other side on this and with the executive. But if they truly want to do this and they're sincere about it, you've rightly said there's a way in your lifetime to do this. Let me ask you in a broader sense, you've played a major role on the Freedom Caucus. Tell our audience why it originated, what its goal is, and what it's trying to do. Well, the Freedom Caucus's mission statement, which is out there for the world to see, is generally that we stand for and fight for the millions upon millions of Americans who feel like Washington doesn't hear them, doesn't represent them, and has left them behind. And we stand for accountable, transparent government that does exactly what the founders wanted it to do. And so for us, we don't want the illusion of representative government. We actually want the representative government. We don't believe that just a few people in Washington, D.C. should be making all the decisions for 435 members of Congress and other 100 members of the Senate. It's a little, as you know, Mr. Speaker, sometimes it gets a little, what's the word I want to use? It gets a little sloppy looking. It gets a little messy looking. But that's how a representative republic that works on democratic principles comes to conclusions and solves problems. And in the course of my time here, we have gotten so far away from that, that American citizens really feel like they don't have a voice. And that is very dangerous. That is very provocative because it leaves people without any sense of hope. And when people lose sense of hope, they become desperate and they do desperate things. We don't want that to be the case. We want them to know that we've got their back, we hear their voice, and our actions are going to be what their actions would be if they were here. I noticed that when the Freedom Caucus was founded in 2015, among its members who've become famous were Jim Jordan, who's now chairman of judiciary and I think a remarkable leader, and Ron DeSantis, who clearly is a potential future presidential candidate and who has done an astonishing job in governing Florida. How many people now belong to the Freedom Caucus? Well, you know, Mr. Speaker, the members self-identify because oftentimes that's used against them. So I would characterize it as more than 35, but less than 45 and let people kind of figure out if their member is in or not, or they can ask if they want to. I would also include two former chiefs of staff at the White House. And I would also say that even though I just saw Governor DeSantis this last week, I was down in Florida and we had a meeting and got to chat with them a little bit. Oftentimes, it's not revealed that Governor DeSantis was a founding member of the House Freedom Caucus. We also have an attorney general out in the state of Idaho in Raul Labrador. And so these are people of action. These are people that are really, truly making a difference in every single American's lives. And I think that the mainstream media doesn't want to give the credit to 
the House Freedom Caucus as one of the starting points and one of the visions for these individuals that are doing remarkable things. When you look at the list of victories in Florida under Governor DeSantis, quite honestly, it is staggering. And when you go through it, you'll almost get exhausted from hearing the number of victories, literally. He's been remarkable. And of course, as you point out, President Trump reached out to the original founding members, both for Mick Mulvaney of South Carolina and then for Mark Meadows to be chiefs of staff. So the influence of the caucus, I think, has been far greater than his numbers. At the same time, you have some pretty strong positions about this upcoming debt ceiling fight, where I think I'm very sympathetic to where you guys are at. Do you want to just take a minute and describe how you think a responsible debt ceiling should look? Okay, so first of all, let's start out by debunking and refuting what President Biden and the Democrats like to throw out there every day. They probably did it to you, Mr. Speaker. We are not going to cut benefits for Social Security recipients or Medicare recipients. We're not cutting benefits. But we are looking at dollar-for-dollar reductions in anything. If they want to raise the debt ceiling by a trillion dollars, they're going to have to find and help us find a trillion dollars in savings. It can be done. And then some programmatic changes that really change the trajectory of things. Let's talk about work requirements for Medicaid recipients. Let's talk about ending the pandemic and all the money that goes with that. Mr. Speaker, in 2019, we were spending roughly $4.5 trillion. By 2020, we were spending $6.5 trillion annually. That hasn't changed. We're still at $6-plus trillion, yet the pandemic is over. Even President Biden has said so. But let's also talk about some policy, energy policy that opens up like the Keystone Pipeline. Or let's talk about policy that changes every single thing for every American, which is the woke weaponization of government against the American people. Let's either put in place for a period of time or into perpetuity the RAINS Act, which says that government, the federal government can't just make these huge sweeping regulations that cost every American citizen thousands, billions, hundreds of billions of dollars without the approval of Congress first. And so there is some representation there. There is some accountability there. Those are just some of the ideas of a package that I think you're going to see revealed very soon. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. There are 23 schools in Baltimore City in which not a single student out of 2,000 students, not a single student was able to do math. And we got into the whole question, for example, of ghost students. That is, the school system just cheats and charges for students who actually aren't even enrolled. And we talked about the whole notion of looking carefully at these kind of systems. Baltimore City is the fifth most expensive school system in the United States per student. They spend about $23,000 a student. That means in a room of 20 students, in theory, you have $460,000 of taxpayer investment. And not a single student in that room could do math. And it seems to me that if we are the party that wants to save money through improvement, not just through cutting, that there are ways we can have, whether it's in the Pentagon or it's in the education system or across the board, there is so much waste, so much dishonesty, and so much incompetence in the current structure that people would be startled how much money would fall out if you simply insisted on honesty and accountability and transparency. That's exactly right. We don't want our children to go uneducated. We don't want our military to go unequipped or untrained. But just like you said, you talked about one specific example with the Baltimore education system. It is heartbreaking. But we also know that the Pentagon can't pass an audit. They just released the audit, which basically said they lost or didn't have awareness of the location of $220 billion. That's nearly a quarter of a trillion dollars in military equipment. And that's on the low end of the estimate. So even as a person who's worn the uniform, you have to be willing to say, we have to look everywhere to see where there is wasteful spending and we can do better. And if we do that, just like you said, maybe we won't balance it in seven, but maybe it won't take 25, but we have to do something or we're never going to balance it. And we're going to continue to spend money, which we don't have, which we literally can't print fast enough. It's going to imperil our economy, our citizens' ability to find and realize their true opportunities, and our national security. We simply cannot govern that way responsibly. And so we have to do the hard work that needs to be done, not to take things from people, but to make sure that the money is spent wisely and that there are successful outcomes. I suspect if you got back to 3 or 4% real growth a year, that the speed with which you'd begin to mop up the debt would be staggering because the impact that has, I'm for higher revenue because people have higher incomes, not higher revenue because we take it away from them. And I think if you projected out an aggressive pro-growth policy over the next decade, you might be startled how rapidly you could get there. I try to point out to people, the Pentagon was opened in 1943 so that 26,000 people using carbon paper, manual typewriters, and filing cabinets could manage a global war. We now have smartphones, iPads, and computers, and 26,000 people. Now, there can't possibly be 
any comparable information flow. And I've said to people, partly tongue-in-cheek, but partly to get them thinking, we would actually have a better defense if we reduced the Pentagon to a triangle and put the other two-thirds of the building into a national security museum. Because you have all these people with nothing to do who then write each other memos, slow down the acquisition of new equipment, and divert resources away from war fighting. I don't know what your sense is of just the sheer scale of bureaucracy that we have stumbled into. The sheer magnitude of it, and as you say, we stumbled into it, but let's face it, over time, it has done what just about every other single, well, I don't know of any single government agency that hasn't done this. It has justified its existence. It has argued for a bigger existence and continued to become the behemoth that it is now, which is unrecognizable, you know, 60, 70 years on from what it used to be. I'm not sure that we're more capable than we ever were, which is what the goal is. That should be the goal of the Pentagon, in my mind, is to protect America militarily and to do it at the least cost to the taxpayer and in lives of those service members that sign that blank check. That should be their only mission. And I think that the mission creep, so to speak, has not only been allowed by administrations, Republican and Democrat, but inside the Pentagon itself by the uniformed services. How many generals, how many flag officers? And look, I was one of them. But how many did we have to prosecute a world war in 1945? And how many do we have now? Some things have changed. We have a space force now. But like you said, there have been some advantages to the changes in technology that can make up for a lot of that. So I'm not saying it needs to go back to 1945 levels, but I suspect it doesn't need to be at 2023 levels either. And there's a spot in the middle there, which is what we're talking about, this discussion about our debt and deficit, even in terms of record revenue. In the face of record revenue, we still spend $1.30 more than we take in a dollar. I don't suspect you went to MIT for mathematics, but it's arithmetic. You know that doesn't work. And every single citizen in America knows that doesn't work as well. And they're counting on us to fix it. And they don't say, we can fix it as long as you don't look at the Pentagon. No one says that. They say, look at everything. And if it needs a harsh reality, then we need to do that as long as we can be successful. I think that's exactly right. I really appreciate both your thoughtfulness and your courage and your work ethic. I've watched you now for the last six or seven years. And You're one of the people who clearly is leading in getting us back on track. And I want to thank you for joining me. I think it's so important that you keep fighting for a balanced budget amendment. We're never going to rein in our national debt until we have exactly the conversation that you were forcing. So thank you for joining me on Newt's World. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. It is always a great pleasure to be with you. Still in the fight, even though you're not on the front line here with us, but you actually kind of are. I don't know whether people know that. And it's great to hear your voice and have your perspective because it helps us solve these. So God bless you and your audience, and thank you for the opportunity. Thank you to my guest, Congressman Scott Perry. You can learn more about his proposed balanced budget amendment on our show page at newtsworld.com. Newtsworld is produced by Gingrich 360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Garnsey Sloan. Our producer is Rebecca Howell, and our researcher is Rachel Peterson. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcasts and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. Right now, listeners of Newt's World can sign up for my three free weekly columns 
at gingrich360.com slash newsletter. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. If you're committed to living a healthier life, you might want to look into working herbs into your wellness routine. There's a reason people have trusted them for thousands of years. Nature's Way understands that nature is the ultimate problem solver, and they're constantly inspired by the power of nature. For example, their ginger root and slippery elm bark have been traditionally used for digestive support. And St. John's wort, holy basil, and ashwagandha can provide mood and stress support. And because Nature's Way sources from around the world and does a ton of comprehensive potency and quality testing in their state-of-the-art lab, you can be sure you're getting top-quality herbs. To learn more, visit naturesway.com. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Work.